After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Juice and Mo Podcast, your favorite Sacramento Kings and NBA podcast. I'm Juice Mason. That's Morgan Reagan. How you doing, Mo? I'm fantastic this offseason. It's almost here, though. It's sneaking up. We got schedule release coming, sprinkling in that. You got season Drama that Morgan just loves. I'm uh, super excited about today's podcast with the one and only Sam Amick. Before we get to that, can you help us out? Can you go on your Spotify app right now? I'm watching you do this. Oh, go, yep, right there. Watching you. Yeah. Give us a five star review. You could do the same thing on the Apple Podcast Store. It's not to boost Deuce Mason's ego either. Oh God! But if you're driving, please stop. Please stop doing this. Good point. Yeah. Do it safely. Thank you. But really, it helps <laughs> us get more exposure, so more people around the world check out our work. You can also check out our YouTube page, YouTube.com/slash/at Deuce and Mo. Today's conversation is with the athletic Sam Amick. We cover a ton, including the latest with James Harden, Dame Lillard, a lot of Sacramento Kings conversation, expectations, and a look at the Western Conference. So enjoy this chat with the one and only Sam Amick. Super excited to have our old buddy on. He's a senior NBA writer for The Athletic. Of course, you can hear him every Tuesday on The Athletic NBA Show. He's been covering the league for two decades, according to his bio. Uh, he's the one and only Sam Amick. And Sam, before we get started, just to be clear, senior NBA writer. The senior is not because of your age or anything. I just want to make sure. You are coming in strong. And Sam, can I just say, I love your hair, too. I see that you did a new style to it. You Thanks are not looking anything like a senior, so <laughs> don't listen to Deuce. Okay, so that's not. Like, is there a way of cropping the, the video <laughs> yeah. shot to get Deuce out? You know, there we go. <laughs> listen, Deuce knows his role with me, first of all. We're on the same wavelength. When I heard you say senior, I knew that's where your mind was going to go. Secondly, like, yeah, there's way too much gray happening. I'm going to the barber today. No. Uh, Keep the gray. Embrace the gray. Keep the gray. Good look. No, I'm just saying it's fine. No, I'm okay with a little salt and pepper, but like we're getting a little long. Yeah, uh, Morgan, thank you on the, the haircut style comment. We basically decided to go back to like 13-year-old Sam and part your hair and move it over. And It looks good, Sam. It seems to have worked. Uh, lastly, I didn't know this was a prop, but just to like lean into your accusations, Deuce, you know, let me, let me rock oh. these. <laughs> I did not have these when I started covering them, I will admit. Oh. Well, you've covered the league for a long time, and August is traditionally like, oh, it's a dead month. And I know it's more quiet, but of course, like yesterday, <laughs> the James Harden video comes out from China right. that right. was, it, it's so crazy <sighs> that some of this stuff is becoming normal now because that is a pretty crazy story for an NBA player on video to call the general manager of the team he's currently on a liar and saying he'll never be a part of an organization like that again. 
I was curious your your first thoughts when you we saw that video from James Harden. Uh, this is a weird, unexpected response, probably um, a sense of relief because you know we were talking off air, just catching up a little bit about the summer and vacations, and and so for our weird lifestyle, like you do, try to squeeze in vacations this time of year. And I'm not exaggerating. Like every time our family goes on a trip, you kind of hold your breath that no big news is going to happen while you're away. Now, admittedly, the athletic has got a deep enough staff. Like when I was at USA Today, it would feel like it doesn't matter if we're on a helicopter ride in Hawaii, like I got to stop and write a story. The athletics are a little different, but still like if this had happened last week when I was out, uh, that would have added a little bit of angst to my routine so the relief was kind of like, man, all right, I'm kind of getting back into work here. Uh, we got something to talk about. We got something to write about. Um, the other takeaway was if you go back to Saturday, uh, you know, I'm sitting around the house kind of, you know, doing my thing. And ESPN drops that story about the Sixers taking James off the table in trade talks and indicates that uh, that they want him to come to camp. The unanswered question in the story and just being honest, like as a reporter, when you read a competitions report you you look for different avenues to sure. advance the story so the natural question was okay that's nice but how does james feel about this so i make a few calls get the answer to that you know put out a piece talking about how james has no plans to play for the sixers um in the interim without sharing too much like all right that story drops not any kind of crazy reaction from the parties involved to that story but somebody had indicated to me like, well, you know, you'll probably hear from Philly today. We'll circle back and, and connect. And I was a little surprised when I didn't. Um, and then when the, the James video dropped, I was like, all right, I definitely <laughs> don't think I am now because they got bigger fish to fry. Um, you don't see that kind of thing, you know, and, and it's not lost on anybody that James is in, you know, in the middle of China saying what he said with Daryl Morey's, you know, sorted, complicated background with supporting Hong Kong and and the NBA losing a lot of money because China got upset. Uh, so for James to say what he said about Daryl and China is is a whole different layer to it. Uh, but it's it's obviously a pretty nasty dynamic here. It's, I mean, drama filled. I, I was telling Deuce how, oh, I love drama so much, especially when it's not associated with a team that I cover and everything as well. But there's also this side of me, the human side of me that's like, or even, I guess not even the human side, the NBA like fan side of me that's like, oh, I just want the best for these players. I want, I want to see their talent on the floor and I don't want to see all this crap keep them off the floor. So how do you think this one plays out with Harden and the Sixers? I don't know. It 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 feels like it might be headed toward unprecedented territory, meaning um, you know, a lot of Ben Simmons comparisons, right, myself included in the story I wrote to the parallel between what the Sixers had a couple of years ago with Ben. The obvious difference, <clears throat> excuse me, is, you know, that James got one year left on his contract. Ben had three, four, I forget what it was. You know, um, that's a major difference. So from a, a leverage standpoint, this is like you could you could teach a college course on like analyzing the leverage here because. James is a, an athlete who at 33 years old has got to pay attention to father time conceivably still wants to win a championship. That clock is ticking. The idea of burning a season out of spite for the team that you play for doesn't make a lot of logical sense. So if you're Daryl Morey, you kind of count on that. Like there's no way he's just not going to play um, on the flip side. I look at Daryl, you know, I told somebody yesterday, you know, father time is pretty friendly to front office people like Daryl worst case scenario. This thing could cost him his career in Philly. He's still going to land somewhere else, make a lot of money. Um, those types of things are part of the calculus. And, and I think, I mean, to answer your question, Morgan, I, I don't know where it's going, but it's, you know, James seems extremely dug in, um, you know, there's CBA considerations to be, you know, contextualized here and mentioned here is that if he doesn't provide 30 days of service, um, you know, at any given point, um, you know, free agency will not be waiting for him in the summertime. If he doesn't play, he's not going to become a free agent. We have not seen that before. Um, that wouldn't benefit Philly. And, and I'm admittedly kind of quoting our colleague and mutual friend, Bobby Marks of ESPN here, who had a good breakdown yesterday on it. That stuff matters a lot. Um, if I had to like pick one of the scenarios to handicap and say, 
you know, this is where it, it goes. I have to imagine that, I don't know the timing, but that they find a way to get a deal done with the Clippers because Philly cannot afford for Joel Embiid to be asking out, you know, anytime in the next couple of months. And, you know, I don't know, I don't want to highlight this if, if it's not factual, but did you guys notice this was making the rounds yesterday that Joel had taken Philly yeah. off his, his Twitter handle? We all know in this day and age, like that kind of stuff does actually matter. Um, so, you know, they got to find a solution here. Yeah, that's where I was going next. The, the Embiid factor has to loom large, right? He's been through a lot in his time in Philly. There's just no way if you're the Sixers, you can walk into this season with uncertainty when it comes to James Harden. I mean, you're trying to win championship mm -hmm. one, right? And you're trying to maximize the years that Embiid has left at a prime level. He's coming off an MVP year. You're trying to win a championship. If you walk into the season with a Ben Simmons-like situation, I, you have to imagine Embiid's like, I don't want any part of this. I would imagine that too. And I, and I can't tell you, you know, last month before we jumped out on vacation, um, I wrote a bit about, you know, those comments that Joel had made in that one conference where he alluded to the idea that you know, he wanted to win a title, whether it was in Philly or somewhere else. So I write this column on Joel's comments, try to add a little substance to it. And honestly, it was one of those stories where I, I always kind of enjoy this, where you think you hit the mark and then the phone rings a couple of times after the column comes out and you end up learning a little bit more. And really, admittedly, some of the pushback I got within the league on that column was that, OK, you mentioned that Joel for years has talked in Philly about wanting to be like Kobe, wanting to be like Dirk, Tim Duncan, the guys that stayed with their their one team the entire time. That is something Joel has cared about in the past and probably still does to this day. But the consistent pushback I got was like, you went too broad with the scope of your context because in the here and the now um, around the league, it's very much like people are going, all right, it's just a matter of time until wow. Joel asks out that he's pretty frustrated and, and we'll see if that bears out. Um, but if you're Daryl again and, and the Sixers, I don't know. Either one of these scenarios might still lead to Joel being unhappy. You know, you do a deal with the Clippers where he looks at what you get in return and doesn't feel like he's in a better position to contend than he was last season. You know, he might be unhappy there. Or of course, if James is MIA and you're getting nothing for a guy that was pretty darn good last season. Um, so they're in a, again, a, a pretty tricky spot. It, yeah. I feel like anytime it's with a guy to James, Harden's caliber like that tier of player it ends up being tricky right uh because of the star power because of the money involved because of the aging star I mean there's so many elements to it but you mentioned the Clippers and we already kind of know about their interests but what is James Harden's market around the league I think it's pretty slim um I truthfully can't even spotlight one other team that is like waiting with bated breath to get him. Now, part of that is because the players are, you know, in a situation like this, they are going to kind of frame their own storyline, so to speak. And he is the one who has made it clear that the Clippers where he wants to be. If that changed and they sent the word that he's open to other possibilities, then maybe, you know, teams look at it, but you're talking about him being a rental. Uh, which is a major factor. You're not, you know, it's not a Ben Simmons situation where you're going to get the guy for a handful of years. And then obviously he's a lot older than Ben. You're also talking about a guy that, you know, despite his many accomplishments and his Hall of Fame resume, uh, continues to be dogged by questions of passion for the game and competitiveness and teammate type stuff. Fair or not, you know, this morning I'm scrolling through, you know, my uh, my Twitter feed and, and Kevin McHale is is just absolutely going in on James Harden on Sirius XM radio, his former coach in Houston and and calling him out for, you know, back in the day when they'd have three on two breaks. And he says, when you look up and your teammate stops running and now it's a two on two, you know, that affects everybody. And, you know, it, you got to remember Kevin, you know, you always kind of wonder about politics and relationships here. You know, I'm sure Daryl has some, some people and friends in the league kind of in terms of messaging, helping him right now. And who knows if that's the case with Kevin, but those questions linger for teams that, that might look at him. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's a, a small market um, and we'll see if he can get where he wants to go. The Clippers one's still interesting too, because it's like, okay, so you add Harden to Kawhi, Paul George and Westbrook. 
I mean, what what's that do? Well, I mean, the Westbrook thing, even though it was actually a decent fit late last yeah. season, I still feel like the na- you know inherent nature of his contract <clears throat> is, excuse me, guys, still getting over the little bug, um, is that like not, I don't know, disposable is a terrible word, but like Russ is a gap filler, right? Uh, you know, in that role. James is a significantly better player than Russell Westbrook. So I don't know what that would look like, but you got to upgrade from Russ to James if you can. Uh, and then you talk about the personal friendship and the dynamics in their history at Oklahoma city. Um, you know, then I think they find a way to make that work. Russ obviously is, is going to be on an LA revenge tour until the end of his career because of how things went with the Lakers. So I would actually love to see it. That's the funny part guys of, <laughs> of this summer for me. And so I don't normally let like the the basketball fan part of me come out like this in terms of what outcomes you want to happen. But basketball wise, there is admittedly part of me that's like, I would really like to see James in a Clippers jersey. And I would like to see Damian Lillard in a, in a Heat jersey. You mm-hmm. know, these are fits basketball wise that not only would be fun to watch, but you talk about these two guys being up in age and and Morgan, you kind of alluded to this, like, you hate to see their talents wasted a bit. Um, you know, I would enjoy seeing it, uh, but we'll see if it happens. So it's the Dame, the Miami thing. Is that just inevitable at this point? Or do you think Portland's just going to dig in here and just like say, you know what, we're seriously going to wait for the best deal possible. And we're not, we can let this go right into the season. I don't have a great pulse. Admittedly, yeah. on it. I haven't reengaged on that front since coming back from vacation. Um, but I, I think the human component is always, a major thing. So, you know, you, you start getting closer to training camp. Um, you know, we've already seen both sides kind of flex with their voice a little bit, right? Like Portland has clearly said some stuff through the media to try to flex when it comes to how they're going to handle it. Fine. Damien with his camp, with his agent, Aaron Goodwin did that at different times, got checked a bit by the NBA when they're putting out memos indicating that, you know, you can't send the message that you're not going to fulfill your contract they, they both kind of flexed. They played that card. The next thing to me is what does it look and feel like when you get to training camp? You know, is, is Damien going to just be peaceful, be, you know, non-confrontational, if you will, um, and let it play out? Um, or is he going to get louder? Uh, is it going to be uncomfortable? That's where it's hard because him in particular, I mean, his, his character and his reputation and his personality are, are he's such a team first guy and he's such a class guy that, um, you know, I don't think he's going to stray from that, but his folks will tell you he's also somebody of integrity and who believes that, you know, I mean, it's a little bit like James. He he clearly has a belief that uh, the promises were made that, uh, you know, if this wasn't working out and you guys went down the rebuilding road, meaning the Blazers, that you would do right by me. And, and, and I certainly think in his mind, that's not happening just yet. The drama. It's well, it, it, every it, offseason, Morgan, you love it. I you know, know it's so bad. Sam, like, it was funny because the other day when we were talking about this, I was like telling Deuce, I'm like, it's just like reality television. I just, I love sitting back with popcorn and watching it. And then Deuce goes, no, it's like wrestling. You know, you have, you have Daryl Morey, who's like, you know, the manager. And then you have James Harden cutting a promo in China. And I'm like, I'm just laughing how we both approach this type of drama but i think the funnest thing about all this sam the funnest thing <laughs> is that it has nothing to do with the sacramento kings you gotta knock on wood always i mean like, and you, you, never, do, yeah. you have to knock on wood still we're like we're still in that stage where it's like we're still um you know we're ready for anything but at the same time it feels like things are going well and uh, you talked to uh monty mcnair about a month ago with slater and um, it really seemed like he opened up to you guys too. That was the that was the most I've ever seen from a Monty McNair interview where he was like really transparent about certain things. What what was one of the biggest takeaways for you? Um, I appreciate you saying that. I know you guys had Slater on and and I love that dude to death. And honestly, the interview that we did with Monty was a lot of fun. Um, and you know, I've kind of I feel like I've done almost everything in this part of our industry, but having a uh, three-way phone call like we did with Monty where we, you know, Slater and I have tried to figure out like, all right, we don't have an every single day beat writer for the Kings at the athletic. We do. I'm going to keep hyping our guy. Hunter Patterson is getting more and more comfortable and 
knowing more people and writing stories. And so Hunter's going to be involved, but we don't have a conventional beat writer on the team. So how, considering I live here and, and Slater lives in the area as well, how can we still provide consistent coverage? Well, we team up on it, right? Well, so then when we talked about doing this piece um, and the Kings had shown a willingness to, you know, have Monty talk, it just made sense to do it together. But I do actually think that it yielded in terms of Monty's insight and his candor um, because th there was just a back and forth where, you know, we would go down a certain road on a certain topic with Monty, but, you know, I might accidentally leave a little bit of meat on the bone, if that makes sense. And then Slater would kind of jump in and, and finish it off with a follow-up question. Um, as far as takeaways, you know, it's funny, Monty, for one, I know I keep giving more backdrop stuff, but like to see him get more comfortable with the media is fascinating, but he's just never, I don't think going to be the most dynamic, like, television personality presence you know he is a thinker he is a thoughtful guy and throughout the course of this 45 minutes it was challenging and almost on you know not to uh bring up a, a beloved old name with the kings but like jeff petrie-esque mm -hmm. of an interview when you have to truly listen to what he's saying um, jeff would be very kind of doldrum with his tone and before you know it he'd say something kind of illuminative that would slip by you because you were going to sleep a little bit, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's a little bit of that with Monty. And, and so we, I think we, we jumped on the right things um, at the end of the interview. And we wrote it this way, you know, when he talked about how one of the more underrated parts of, of their off season was the way it set them up for the future. I think that I already kind of knew that from talking to Kings people, but the idea that, that's actually something they were most excited about was not only, you know, getting Sabonis on the long-term extension, getting Vesenkov, all these moves that were made, but that with Malik Monk coming up in free agency next summer, and then with more importantly, the flexibility and the, and the freedom to have the continuity of this team now, see how they play this season. And then if you want to go take a big swing, uh, you know, like they didn't this summer, that that avenue is still open. Like it is a conservative, but intelligent measured approach that, uh, you know, for my two cents, I think is, was a pretty smart way to go. Yeah. He has, he has a lot of patience, Yeah, which, yeah. you know, is not always easy for a general manager to have when you've got ownership and there's going to be, hey, we want to win, right? They want to put a winner on the floor. So there's going to be an immense amount of pressure, especially going into last season when they're trying to finally end a playoff drought. So it's very interesting, like how almost deliberate he is. Like, yeah, he could have gone out there and spent a ton of money trying to get one, like a Kuzma out there. Right. He, he didn't do But that. he's also really, Sam, I don't know if you see this too. He's really particular with the type of player that he gravitates to. And I think the type of player he gravitates to, there's something to do with, um, the way their work ethic, uh, their personality or not even their personality, just characteristics that they have that he knows that the coaches that he has in place can bring the most out of them. I think that's where he goes about it. And that's where his basketball mind goes. And that's where I just really appreciate his patience. It's funny though. Cause I agree that he's patient, but what I have enjoyed about his, you know, now few years long King's career is that the defining moment was the uh, the exact opposite of patience. You know, the trade um, to get Sabonis yeah. was, was a calculated risk, but, you know, uh, defined, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it was out of left field and people didn't anticipate the idea of Halliburton not being a part of this team. And it was counterintuitive because when a guy is a young GM without the kind of footing uh, politically, career-wise to to go out and take big swings this is not danny ainge with right. years of track record behind him uh to to have a young draft pick in halliburton where you could just kind of you could be patient and say listen i know it's an uneasy fit with the aaron but at least i can tell my owner that i drafted well you know what i mean like that part was clear you could have just kind of rode the coattails of tyrese halliburton in sacramento for quite some time. And I think some other younger executives would have done that. But when he saw the kind of move that, uh, you know, and along with Wes Wilcox in that front office that they thought was going to 
advance the the operation, they did it. So that hybrid of like patience, 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 strike, and we've only seen it really once with a big move, um, has worked so far. And as long as you still have that avenue open, you're well positioned. You know what I mean? And continuity matters. I'm I'm fascinated league wide this season to to kind of monitor you know, the different teams that have varying levels of continuity, you know, Phoenix will be a trip because, you know, you're talking about all that change, all that star power, um, lack of continuity, but they got some kind of experience under their belts last season. How does that benefit them this season? But Denver, you know, raising the trophy with that, that slow patient approach that they took um, all the way down the line. I feel like the league, I don't know if it's, you know, 50, 50 or 60, 40, but it's kind of split, you know, in terms of, the, the continuity teams and the let's patch it together type teams. And right now the Kings are in the continuity club. Yeah. And I feel like that it makes sense for them to, to have that approach because I, I, I just think there's so much, especially when you have cap space, it's easy to fall into the, let's just go spend the money and hurt your flexibility. And you might win the headline. I, that's my most irritating thing with sports is when, you know, organizations focus so much on winning the headline. And it's like, right. who cares about winning the offseason or winning the headline? You got to win games. And I think so many times in the past, the Kings have been faced with an offseason where they're like spending too much money on like a Trevor Ariza, Dwayne Deadman, uh, Corey Joseph. The list goes on where, right. oh, you can justify and go, hey, veteran pieces. But they weren't really smart moves. You, you might have had some good headlines in the offseason, but it didn't translate to anything. So, I think their approach was right. The other thing, too, I think Sasha's going to be a nice fit for them. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, he's definitely not flying under the radar in Sacramento. But league-wide, I don't know that many people are, are talking about the fact that they were able to get him on draft night 2022 to get his rights for a second-round pick. And then a year later, they bring him over. He seems like a guy that will fit just perfectly with this offense. Yeah, I that's you know that's another major major local focal point for me. I'm excited to see that dude play yeah. because um, I, I'm not overstating this. I mean the Kings, um, and I, I think they would say the same thing. They they are hyping him a lot um, in the kind of way that typically you wouldn't see. Like let's just let him get comfortable. They're very comfortable saying, you know what, we just worked for essentially an entire year to convince him to come. Um, it's funny because free agency, and this relates to Sasha, free agency is not what it used to be as far as how teams pursue high-profile players. You know, we talk about Daryl Morey. It wasn't that long ago where every single summer Daryl would have these extravagant recruiting plans for Chris Bosh and for LeBron and for every single guy, right, where, you know, we're going to have props and we're going to fly to the, wherever you want us to go. That part has kind of changed. The Kings under the radar did some like some of that stuff with Sasha all year long. They, you know, but in a more professional way, they you're talking about going over and having meals with the man just so that he looks you in the eye and trusts you and starts to get to know you. You can then, you know, this is Monty. This is Wes. This is, uh, you know, their whole bunch. Mike Brown going over there. Matina, Colacatranas, you know, even the business side. Um, let's talk to him. Let's let him know what's happening at our place. And I, we, you know, we asked Monty, or I did about the, the question of with Sasha, you can't speak for him. You can't read his mind. But um, after you recruit for that whole time and you tell him, you know, we think you'd fit in great. And we think it's a place that's worth coming to the loudest part of the recruiting pitch was the way they played on the floor. And the idea that, you know, he was over there in Europe as a guy who, I, to me, it seems pretty clear, had seriously contemplated just being a European player for his whole career because he seemed comfortable. You know, culturally, we forget this element sometimes, guys. Like, you know, the, the guys who were born and raised in that part of the world, they're, they're not all dying to come to America. Nikola right. Jokic is only here because the NBA is the NBA. He cannot wait to get back to Serbia when his <laughs> yes. career is over. And that is the truth. And so Sasha seemed like he had some of that. So they just you know months and months and months of recruiting sasha and then it all culminates with him you know winning euroleague mvp um it, it seemed really interesting at the end in eurobasket when they lose by such a close margin and he has a, a tough finish to his season that they were a little worried that, that he was going to have second thoughts and stay just because you know that left such a bad taste in his mouth but 
all those things leading to the fact that you now have a guy on a three-year, $21 million deal that if he is who they think he is, um, might be one of the best value contracts out there next season. So you you bring over some shooting with Sasha. You have that continuity with like bringing it back with some of your main guys and everything. What's your biggest question for the Sacramento Kings this season? I mean, there's still two sides of the ball. You know ah. what I mean? Like, it's the defense. Um, you know, we we do kind of forget, you know, because their second half surge last season, you know, was was spotlighted the way it was with good reason. And then followed by the, the playoff berth, followed by pushing the Warriors that the narrative of like the Kings being awful defensively did fall by the wayside a bit. It didn't necessarily change. There were moments in the playoffs where you saw what they could be defensively. But, you know, Mike Brown in year two, his staff, his system, you know, you would think and hope for their sake that that it improves defensively. But in terms of personnel, you you look at it and it's, you know, I don't think Nerland's Newell is, you know, maybe going to help here and there, but that's not a, a fixer in terms of rim defense um, length. And versatility on the wings, Harrison Barnes, you know, I like the contract. I like them bringing him back. Um, but, you know, he is a year older and and defensively um, all the way up and down the line. I mean, De'Aaron, for example, in the playoffs, it was so much fun to watch him get after it defensively. But, you know, you can't kid yourself. Like, he's not doing that for 82 games. He just can't. Um, so that, to me, is the biggest thing. I mean, it does make me think, though, about something that I think it was Wes Wilcox who had shared this with me because he worked with Mike um, in Cleveland was the general idea. I, you know what? I apologize. This was this was Monty talking about the head coaches he had been around uh, the year two, year three, year four, that, that we don't talk a lot about the evolution of coaching staffs and the impact that they have on their group that, you know, having a year under your belt is a big deal. Mike D'Antoni in Houston you know, got better the longer he was there. Now that's Mike was a veteran coach by the time he got to Houston had done a lot, but, you know, just being around those players another year and those humans and, and having more trust and, and more connectivity, I think matters too. So the defense though is, is the biggest question. We've got more with Sammy Mick coming up in just a second, but we should mention that today's podcast presented by our friends over at ESAC fitness. Morgan, I know you're even noticing myself. I know. No, Thank no, you. no, no. Baby got back. Juice Mason. You? Yeah. You want me to talk about your butt? Squat City, baby. Oh, okay. It's all because ESAC Fitness. I've <laughs> That's been why. Consistent going to ESAC Fitness. You should check it out if you're looking for a new gym because they have a ton of space. Great classes. Functional fitness, spin, yoga. They've got a recovery room that Morgan likes that oh. has a sauna. Oh my gosh. And a cold <laughs> plunge. <laughs> I am so excited to recover every single time that I work my ass off in this gym. So if you're looking to get your summer workout on, make sure to go to ESAC Fit. Go to ESACFitness.com. Also presented today by a New York Times bestselling author, the one and only T.R. I can't even with her. If you're going on vacation, these are the books you need to read. You will binge all them. It's like binge watching a show this summer, except you read them. And you, you can also do what I do. I actually love the audio versions of these books. So when I'm on a plane, or I'm just chilling outside, or I'm even doing some things around the house. I just shove it in my ears. I love T.R. Reagan's books. So if you're looking for a thriller where you can't even sleep at night because you're going to have so many nightmares, make sure to go to trreagan.com or search T.R. Reagan on Amazon. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The most bizarre King stat from last year, their defensive rating on the road was eighth yeah. in the NBA at home, 29th. 
Right. It's bizarre to me. I don't know how to even explain that. Like, it, th- th- maybe so- they just, it was so weird for them to have the locals like content with them. That they, <laughs> yeah. you know, they let their guard down. I don't know. They get caught up in the moment, try to hit shots. It's just, it's such a weird thing to think about where, I, yeah, I'm curious if they can make a bit of a jump in year two. And yeah. I, they don't even have to make a crazy jump, I, I don't think, either. I mean, Denver was 15th in defensive rating last season. They won the championship. And, and we so. keep going back to that continuity and how the league is kind of leading in that direction and or all moving in that direction. And you look at this team build together. You know this, Sam. It's like you if you can create this team defense that knows how to make things work together. Sure. There's going to be matchups that are hell for you when it comes to a big or um, a team that their shooting abilities just like out of this world. But at the same time, there's something to being able to build that together, to trust each other that can really come together and hopefully push them to more of the middle of the pack this season. Well, and that's where it's going to have to be like the team defense reference. Morgan reminds me of, uh, you know, we talked earlier about Daryl Morey and the Kevin McHale thing in that same McHale interview. He actually talked about Larry Bird um, as a team defender mm. and was comparing Larry to James and making the point that James could be a good team defender. He just chooses not to be. Larry was a good team defender. You know, the Kevin Herders of the world. I mean, Harrison is not a lockdown individual defender. He's mostly a team defender like that across the board. More of that from Mike and his staff, um, you know, and then again, figuring out the delegation of duties with the backcourt, I think is, is tricky because, you know, Fox as the head of the snake defensively was such a a good look in the playoffs. I don't know how you replicate that in the regular season to, to kind of load manage because you're just going to have to, Um, but we'll see. Uh, I think, you know, like you hit it earlier, they don't have to be top 10, you know, try to get in the top 20. Uh, Where did they finish last year overall? 24th. 24. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're being realistic, you know, if you're Mike Brown, you're saying, I mean, if you're getting aggressive, you say, let's get top 15, but yeah. truthfully, like top 18, Yeah, you know, just, just because that offense is going to be dynamic and De'Aaron, and I'd be shocked if, if I'm wrong about this, like, I just don't know how you, I'm not saying he has to play like he did in the playoffs every night, but I think he's going to come back a different person, a different player. Um, Cause you know, we, we can't forget how last season around this time, you know, he entered facing so many questions about his competitive spirit, about is he worthy of, of the contract? Is he a franchise centerpiece? And, you know, for him to go out and answer those questions the way he did, you know, I think the momentum will probably continue there too. It seems like they're really high on Keegan Murray too, to, oh, to yeah. take a significant step. And I don't know if that's year two. I don't know if that's year three, but they, they seem pretty excited about his upside. Absolutely. I, just, I mean, it's crazy that we got this deep into yeah. it and we haven't even talked about Keegan. Um, it's funny because I think Keegan's going to be fascinating because I'm a little bit in the camp of like, all right, I mean, I'm sorry, like Summer League is always just Summer League. Yeah. I don't care if you score 80. You know what I mean? So we'll see. Like, I, I loved, you know, Luke Lauk's coaching the team. He had such a great quote about Keegan, and, and I'll probably botch it, but it was the one about Baskin-Robbins and how, like, last year Keegan was vanilla and it, it tastes fine and it's sweet and you enjoy it but then this year there's some color in there and a little couple different flavors and he got some some shimmy in his game so like to see keegan try to try new things at summer league was for them i think very very exciting but now i mean if he could go out and replicate the exact season he had last year that would be hard you know what i mean like hitting that many threes and so of course he's trying to advance and within that, I mean, another subplot that that I think will be fascinating to watch is the way that, that Mike Brown handles his rotations. And like Kevin Herter is, is to me, another guy we're not talking about a lot because he was a really important part of last year, struggled in the playoffs. Uh, you know, for my two cents, I, I think you just continue supporting him and, and don't pull him out of that. You know, don't don't give him a smaller piece of the puzzle this year just because of the playoff struggles. I think he's a guy that. Um, I've seen fire from him. You, the way he left Atlanta, you could tell that he felt like, you know, they just didn't value him the way they should have. And I always like it when, when a guy, you know, kind of doesn't forget, cause you can tell that he has a certain vision for himself and his career that, that maybe, uh, you know, others don't and don't see it. So I think he's, you know, a big piece of what they're doing, but you know, if you give, you know, so much to Keegan, what, where do you take it from? How does Mike handle, um, you know, that yeah. aspect, I think, is is interesting, too. 
Yeah, the other thing with Kevin Herter that doesn't get talked enough about, he's still young too. I know he's been in the league for a minute, but he's like 24, 25 yeah. years old. So he's right. another young guy. But yeah, you're right. It's going to be interesting to kind of see how they balance it. I mean, you got Malik Monk likes to get shots up too. How do you have that offensive balance? Sasha, you know, I mean, yeah, you're yeah. At, you have these you have these guys that like to shoot the ball, but they also understand that, hey, short leash, if you're not playing yeah. the offense the right way, except for De'Aaron and Sabonis probably get you know the freedom. But the rest of the right. guys, it's like, make sure you are making this amount of passes, you're running through this amount, you're cutting this amount of time, whatever that may be. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. And I know, I know this might sound a little biased, Sam, because we just talked to him, but Davion Mitchell... I really, I hope that that guy, his shot that he's been talking about, that he's been working on all this off season. And I know we have to see it to believe it, but you know, we, we see these, these guys labeled as just defenders in this league, Jared Vanderbilt with the Lakers, he was played off the floor in the playoffs as well. And with Davion, I just hope he can form some sort of shot that can keep him on the floor at times when they, especially when they need that backup point guard. Yeah, I mean, to me, he's a guy that we saw in the playoffs again where he can help. I mean, if you're him, <clears throat> you know, you're sitting there with a defensive calling card, you know, among a group that, that just doesn't have any players who can say that. I mean, that's obviously where his value is. You know, with him offensively, you know, and especially with Mike Brown having his, his long history with Steve Kerr and the Warriors, w- what comes to mind is that, you know, A, yes, improved shot would be fantastic, you know, catch and shoot stuff where you just, you're not slowing the offense down, but you know, he's, he's gotten a little better with his handle and with his penetration ability. But I also, to me in the playoffs, it was one of those, like, listen, like Steph Curry talks about the 0.5 seconds decision, like, like make up your mind. And, and Davion would slow it down a little bit yeah. at times where you could almost, it's almost reminiscent of, you know, Keegan and summer league where he's experimenting, but like you can't experiment in playoff basketball, really regular season basketball when you have a role like Davion. So that's the part where I don't envy his offensive challenge because, you know, you've got when you're a, a high prospect whose talents are on the offensive end, you're going to have the freedom. And that window is this big to try things out. Davion, you know, it's it's just the window is this big and it's hard to improve when the window's that big, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, yeah, hopefully he pushes it in the right direction. So last year they were the third seed in the West. <clears throat> the West was weird. I feel like the West is weird again this year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. How many teams I truly trust at this point? Denver, of course, you trust. We've talked about them on the pod. Where are you at with the Kings? Like, where do you think they kind of stack up right now in the West? I mean, now I feel like I got to put the old. Yeah, yeah. Take a look. Take a a good old look, Sam. I got to cheat. I'm going to see. You know what time of year it is when I bet you I'm going to open the NBA app. Yeah. And uh, this happened the other day. I, I tried to look at something. And it told me to log on. So you know you've been out for a while. Oh, he's getting back (laughs) from vacation. But I I was just trying to peek at the standings to give me a little visual reference. All right, here we go. I always do that. Um, I mean, who do I trust? You know, Phoenix is loaded. They're going to win a ton of games. You know what I mean? Um, You know, can't wait to see Bradley Beal in that group. And I do think he's going to fit well. So they're... You trust them, though. I mean, to win the whole thing, no. But do I trust him as a to West be good? Okay. Tender? Okay. Okay. No. Um, you know, I don't trust the Clippers because of health. Sure. Um, you know, I I like Memphis's summer. Uh, I think Marcus Smart is is literally like you could scour the entire league for what they needed in the you know the wake of the John Moran situation, and and he might be you know top three on my list, and they happen to get him. So. Oh. I like that move. I like where Memphis, I think they're, they're going to have a lot of reasons for motivation. Um, the Warriors are going to be hungry. I mean, you're talking about their final crack at it, really. Um, you know, they're not getting younger. Do you believe, like, do you believe though, in the, do you believe in the Warriors? The fit with Chris Paul. Are they the We Believe Warriors? Yeah. <laughs> I believe in the Warriors. I'm trying to think of it. By saying, like, what do I not believe in? I mean, I think I do. Okay. Okay. Um, Again, we're not talking title winners. Um, But I I think what I see from their their humans, and I think the three of us are kind of like-minded where, you know, you try to just look beyond the X's and O's. You you know, Steph 
does, I mean, let's compare, this is not fair, but let's compare Steph to James Harden. Okay. James doesn't have any championships. And if you could somehow magically read someone's mind and, 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 you know, quantify hunger for a trophy, I think Steph's is significantly above James's Mm. despite the fact that he has four, you know what I mean? So Steph, he's still out there with this chip on his shoulder, pumping out the movie, you know, uh, underrated, whatever it was called. And Steph's head is going to in a good place. Clay, you know, I hope he doesn't look well. Who who cares? If he looks at our website right now at the Athletic, he'll see that he just got put by our Seth Partnow in uh, tier five of the players in today's NBA. Ooh. So, you know, the perception of his stock is continues to be, I guarantee you, significantly lower than how he sees himself. You know, so the point I'm getting at is motivation. Draymond comes in with his hundred million hundred million dollar deal and and getting kind of reconfirmed as a voice within the Warriors. Um, love him or hate him as Mo sits here rolling around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and we'll see. Uh, why am I blanking on? They just added Chris uh, Paul. Chris Paul, that guy. You know, oh, Chris. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was skipping over Chris. Okay. I was somehow focusing okay. on Sarich. You know, Sarich gives him a little shooting. The Chris Paul thing. All right. Now you have me on the, do you believe? Mm. I don't know, man. Like, See, that's, that's the thing that Sam, I'm with you when you talk about the motivation factor, because even I was, t- I was telling Deuce the other day, I was like, I was like, you know, we heard those conversations or Clay was saying like, you know, me, Chris, Steph, um, Draymond, we're in a text and, you know, we're, we're all motivated and we're, so I was kind of feeling like, okay, they're building that chemistry. They want to get Chris Paul a ring, you know, maybe like, cause he's on their team wearing their Jersey now. But at the same time, I'm like basketball wise, I just don't, I, I don't see it. Okay. Tell me, I kind of do, sorry, drop the old, old man glasses. Um, I kind basketball wise, I think I do see it because Jordan Poole was just not an effective leader of their second unit. Um, he played with the ball too much. He was not a natural playmaker. Um, you know, you talk about the 0.5 second decision-making, you know, Jordan was cut different and he was, you know, he was a Jamal Crawford type leading that second unit. Um, the, when, when they added Chris, of course, you know, everybody talked about the stats with the Warriors and the idea that they, they run, you know, less pick and roll than anybody in the league. Um, and then acted as if that was a reflection of why Chris was a bad fit when in fact, and agree or disagree, like it was actually a calculated choice internally to change something and more specifically Steve Kerr to change something that, that he didn't like basketball wise about the way they functioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wanted more pick and roll, um, coming from the second unit. And part of that is that we all know how great Steph is off the ball. So in those minutes, uh, when Chris and Steph are playing together, you know, they can do some of that. Uh, it's a different look. And and really the second unit, think about the first half of last season with the Warriors. They're dropping all these uh, road games. Yeah. It was just bonkers how they couldn't win on the road. And when you looked at their plus minus splits from the first unit to second unit, the first unit was literally one of the best, if not the best in the league for the first half of the season. And they had a terrible record. Like it was all about the second unit being awful. So we, I do think health permitting, which is a major, major qualifier. Chris Paul is not that far removed from some, you know, fantastic basketball. So where, you're saying uh, though, cause I I'm with you with the whole, the passing ability, the vision, like I, I agree with, with what he's capable of doing on the floor, but you keep saying second unit, like we're, we're, we're putting him with that second unit. Like he's coming off the bench for sure. Maybe he's staggered though. Maybe okay. he starts and he gets staggered. staggered. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's fair. Okay. I just, I just, I just did the old, you know, our friend Kendra Andrews, uh, you know, assuming. Uh, love her. <laughs> Are you the coach? Are you the Chris coach? Is, Chris is going to watch this video and be like, damn, Sam, I'm coming out. <laughs> Um, I was in the room, by the way, when that happened and she handled it great. And if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, it was Chris's first Warriors press conference. And, and, uh, I mean, I, I like a little, a little, what's the word? Like I'm fine with a little flair and and he wasn't disrespectful, but it was a funny moment where she just said, you know, how are you feeling about coming off the second unit? And he says, ah, you the coach. And that's Chris in a nutshell. It was admittedly, I'm getting off on a tangent here. No, but I like man, it. it was, it was hilarious for me to see the reactions of the Barry media reporters 
because I've dealt with Chris. I met Chris. Uh, let's see. It was before his first preseason game for the um, for the the then Hornets in New Orleans. Uh, they played. Man, I think it was in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, so it was. You know, they'd been displaced by Hurricane Katrina. And I mean, I, so I, I got Chris at the very beginning and learned very quickly when he was 19 or whatever he was like that, this guy, you know, just had a little, a little edge to him uh-huh. uh, and he's always been fine to deal with, but like, he doesn't just let questions slip past and give you stock answers. And so the Barry media, when he shot back at Kendra a little bit, including our guy, Mr. Slater, they kind of were smiling a little bit like, man, all right. So this is the, the Chris Paul experience, you know? That's how he is. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know the outcome of, of whether he's going to start, whether he's not going to start, whatever it looks like, he's going to spend a fair amount of time with both units. Um, You know, my argument would be if it ain't broke, don't fix it with the starting five. And, you know, and Chris could be dynamic coming off the bench. And, you know, we've seen plenty of veterans who have to learn the hard way that you might need to compromise. You know, I was in the room, when Carmelo Anthony, I was in Oklahoma City when uh, I think it was, man, who, oh, Eric Horn, who I used to work with at the Athletic, Oklahoma City reporter, asked Melo about uh, being a six man. And that's when he, you know, he says, he sees Paul George walk in the back of the room and he says, yo, P, they talk about me being a six man. And he's laughing it up, you know. So Melo took a while to accept that role. <laughs> Russell Westbrook took a while. I don't know what the Chris experience will look like. Um, but I do think he can help him. I was just thinking about this whole dynamic too, because you mentioned the chip on the shoulder. I I was listening to Clay Thompson on Paul George's podcast, and I feel like now off-season player podcasts are like off-season mixtapes. You know, you see like Gobert launching threes and knocking them down. Hey, man, if Gobert knocks it down, (laughs) I get sucked into player podcasts. I'm listening to Clay, and I'm like, I start to believe he's going to have a great year. But I did the same thing last year when I heard Ben Simmons on J.J. Redick. I was like, dude, I think Ben Simmons may be an all-star again. It's weird how those things can sway me. But, yeah. Did you hear this as an aside, just for fun, levity? Did you hear the fun one? This this was my favorite, was – D'Angelo Russell went on Patrick Beverly's podcast and <laughs> tried to push back on an interview that he and I had where he talked about uh, feeling, what was, how do you phrase it, that, that he was held back in Minnesota. So we had talked after a, a game in the playoffs, and, and I had told him that I was curious about how he reflected on the Minnesota time. But his version of the events to Pat was, man, this reporter was hanging out like – you know, four different games trying to get me. I could tell he had an agenda. Da-da. I never said that I was held back. And then he proceeds to tell Bat, uh, Pat why he felt held back, which I thought was very. <laughs> oh, wow. But it is, but I'm here for it. Yeah. Like these player pods. I love uh, it. They, yeah, they, they teach you things about guys' mentality, um, you know, and, and it's a different look. I mean, there's space for all of it, man. Like I, I love that stuff. Uh, so it's, it's all good. One last one for you, Sam. I, I'm curious how you feel about the uh, new in-season tournament that the NBA is going to be rolling out this year. And also, if if you've had a chance to even, I know, kind of popped up, I guess, during summer league. But any indication from like players on or coaches, execs, how they're feeling about it? I don't have a great sense yeah. there. Um, I'm a little guilty of like, I don't know why it is like, uh, you know, changes like that. I, I kind of wait till they arrive to, to wrap my head around exactly what I think. I mean, the the play-in tournament was met with great skepticism, and and I think it should be remembered that you know that was the case, and that ultimately it turned out to be a pretty good thing. Um, you know, I, at the same time, I'm not a big soccer guy, right? But I know enough about it to know that some of the criticism that does make sense to me, including you know one person who comes to mind is is our Marcus Thompson had shared his opinion on this, like. You know, the, the massive distinction or difference between the way European soccer handles an in-season tournament and this one is that, you know, that tournament gives you a chance to play teams outside of your league and it's new blood, new it's new matchups. You know, so if you're going to have, you know, uh, an NBA in-season tournament where the Grizzlies are playing, you know, the Spanish team, that's cool. incredible. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what this is. It's the same people. It's like. You know, it's it's like you're just changing the software. Oh, you know, don't forget, guys, this one counts more. Like when you yeah. wake up in the morning, you're just you're supposed to be 
wired differently because you know you were informed that this game has different stakes um not only that but the ebb and flow of the schedule and how you could be playing on a tuesday and it's a regular season game and now two days later it's this one counts for the in-season tournament it's just a little funky um the fans who hate it and who have concerns i would say be patient with it because um, you know, I did at Summer League talk a little bit to Evan Wash is one of the NBA's people who has, has a lot to do with it, where he had indicated, like, generally speaking, that they um, they are open minded about changing in the future. So yeah. if it just if it flops a bit this year, you know, there's going to be maybe a different purse for the players, maybe a different this different that the tweaking is going to continue, I think. Um, so, you know, we'll see where where it develops. I like it. I think it may take time to grow for sure. And it's going to evolve for sure. Make but the tweaks. Yeah. We all know early in the NBA season, it's hard to get fans involved. And maybe Tuesday and Fridays have a little more meaning. And then, you know, damn well, if the Kings made it to Vegas for that little oh. single elimination thing, people would be pretty you know amped this up market for the, would yeah, be amped for the up. NBA Cup. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I'm I'm down with it. The Vegas thing is is, you know, another... Um, layer to this, obviously, you know, to go from summer league where you see the Wembenyana mania yeah. uh, to the announcement about the in-season tournament and and the G League showcase in December and what that's become and and the WNBA All-Star game and, and the Aces and how successful they are. And, you know, I at summer league, I went to um, Adam Silver's press availability at the APSE conference out there and you know uh, more than ever he just sounded like a guy that when he talked about vegas and expansion that it was a matter of of when not if mm. uh you know the, the whole vegas thing they're you know this is just another way for them to 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 push their league in that city which because they've decided that it's a, it's a successful uh, partnership there give me vegas and seattle i think that's Let's next go. that's next well sam seriously thanks so much for all the time dude enjoy the rest of the offseason as much as you can that season starts a little bit later. I think media days are like October, October first ish or something. So a week yeah, later, thirtieth of September is is training camp. Yeah, starts, but we're getting there. But yeah. slow down. We don't need to be there yet. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chill. Enjoy, Let's chill. Enjoy the time with the fam, and uh, thank you so much, man. Of course, guys. Always appreciate you. That's the one and only Sam Amick. Morgan, you can call me crazy. You're crazy. I got the chills a little bit today. And maybe I'm fiending for some basketball, but the NBA in-season schedule came out today. We know when the Kings are playing their in-season tournament games and is a good chance to see if they're playing on national TV or not. And they are. So you're crazy because you're excited. Yeah. And I think some people are like, oh, I don't know about the NBA in-season tournament. Some people are going, what the hell are you talking about? Yes, the NBA is busting out their first ever NBA in-season tournament. So... Mm. They've got six groups. Six, okay. Three in each conference. Got it. On Tuesday and Friday. So the month of November, they're playing these in-season tournament games. Love it. You have eight teams who advance to a single elimination. Love a single elimination. Yeah, a little single elimination games. And then you've got the semifinals and then the championship game being played December 7th. And then the championship game December 9th in Las Vegas. A little neutral site for the first ever NBA Cup. Now, you're wondering, okay, who are the teams who advance? Well, if you're at the top of each group, you advance. Plus, you've got two wildcard teams, one from each conference. So, eight total advance to the single elimination tournament. You got this down, and your breakdown uh, is really nice. So, proceed. Now, Who? what, what group are, are the Kings in? So, the Kings are in this group. They are with Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Minnesota, and Golden State. Cool. You play four games. So you have to be the top of that group. To advance. To advance. You could be a wild card, and that's based on record. Cute. And a no. lot of tiebreaker situations that we'll focus on later, but we want the Kings to win their grouping. <laughs> yeah. So the league kickstart this starting November 3rd, but the Kings' first in-season tournament game will be November 10th when they are at home taking on the OKC Thunder. That's going to be a lot of fun, one, yeah. because OKC... They're going to be good this year. Yeah. That's, I mean, just alone, that that game on a Friday night. Yeah. I'm excited for it either way. But now that it's a cup game, yeah. 
Or do you, can I call it a cup call game? It a cup game. I now like that it. it's a cup game, um, I'm curious to see how the players approach it, if yeah, they yeah. do approach it differently. I know that's like been the biggest topic is like, why do these players want to win? Or why do they even want to play these games? Well, it's part of their schedule anyway. Yeah, so. that's a good point you just mentioned. These games still count toward the regular season anyway. Yeah. So you still want to win them no yeah. matter what. Just adds a little more with a chance to maybe compete in Vegas. So I think that's cool. It's different. It makes it more exciting. We can get into that in a second. Okay. So that first game will be Friday, November 10th against the Oklahoma City Thunder. That'll be fun. Then the next Friday, they head to San Antonio. Hello. A matchup with Victor Wembenyama. Oh, And man. that game is going to be on ESPN. Of course it is. Anything. Nationally televised game. Wemby is there. It's an in-season tournament game. It's on national television. Makes sense. Then the next Friday, they head to Minnesota okay. with a matchup with the Ant-Man. Cat, Gobert launching threes this offseason. Okay. Uh, that matchup will be in Minnesota. That will be Friday, November 24th. Okay. And then, just a few days later, Tuesday night in Sacramento. A matchup with the Golden State Warriors. That oh, game will be man. on TNT. Amazing. So you get two nationally televised games out of this. And honestly, I think the Kings grouping is a lot of fun. You got some good teams in here. You can make the case that all these teams have a chance to be in the playoffs this year. Uh, except San Antonio. Yeah, I was like, well, that's a little but aggressive. They're but exciting. Yeah, the, you know I, I mean? I'll give like, you that. The definition, yeah. uh, yes, of exciting these yes. teams. Absolutely agree with that. Um, and I especially love it. Too, that that Tuesday game, that last game, November 28th against Oof. the Golden State Warriors, like what if the Kings are on the verge of being the top team in Oof. their grouping and so to they advance? have to win this game? And that's, that is where yeah. it even gets more exciting for us. And I think when you think about the sense of pride for players and in, in their competitive nature, that's another reason why they would get excited about going into a game like this. Look, I know the reality is there's some people who are skeptical. What's this mean? What's an NBA cup mean? I think how I look at it, it's pretty simple. Early in the NBA season, we're basketball junkies, so we just love every game, but there are casuals out there too, or people who just don't watch every single game. If there's a game that has a perceived extra meaning to it, mm -hmm. maybe it attracts a greater audience. And honestly, maybe the players get a little more into this too. I, I don't see the harm in it. Like, I, it does. It's not going to hurt the game. You and know it what doesn't I mean? add games to the play, or like except one, right? If you make the championship, you get one extra game. So but if you're playing two for two teams, cup, who cares? Two teams are yes. getting one extra game, uh, and they're both playing for money. I guess. Yes. One so, team, the obviously the championship team will be winning more. But I think that makes it intriguing too. And as this goes on, I'd like to see how it evolves. You know, I think you could. Get a little crazy with it down the road. Maybe you're you playing. Mean? Maybe teams from Europe are involved. Olympia. Love it. Think about some of these Euroleague teams. Maybe an NBL team. The tweaks will come. Yeah. But I think this is a good first step. And I think people were skeptical about the play-in tournament. And guess what? I was skeptical about the play-in tournament. You were. Now it's like a fun so event that the league puts on. So why not make the early season a little more intriguing without taking away, adding a ton of extra games? Makes Tuesday and Fridays a little more intriguing too. I'm all about it. Yeah, can't wait for November basketball. Did I sell baby. you on it? I'm sold. And let's let's be really honest. And Kings fans, you can let me know what? in the comments. NBA fans, you would be pretty pumped if your team won the NBA, the first ever NBA Cup. Yeah, well, okay. It doesn't. Uh, it, the it, NBA fans that are watching this, please let us know because we know that Sacramento is a different market, yeah. and like they're just excited about a Tuesday night game without it being a Cup game. So. NBA fans, would you be excited if your team advanced to the championship? You can let us know in the comments. You can also email us, deuceandmo.com. Click on contact and let us know there. Um, yeah, I think I would be super pumped for it. Now, does it mean, does it mean like, is it a Larry O'Brien trophy? No, it's not a championship trophy like an NBA finals. We know this, but again... I'm all about adding a little intrigue to the early season. I'm on board. You know what else, too? I think sometimes people, like, we all make jokes about Summer League Championship and all those things, however you want to look at that. But when you look at this in-season tournament, I think there's a lot more pressure on you as a team that maybe wins this tournament. And as you go on throughout the season, like, can you uphold yeah. that same type of caliber of play or, you know, that championship mentality? I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Another thing I'm interested in, and we'll find out later this week, 
Is the league going to structure it so these teams who are playing in cup games, playing these Tuesday and Friday night games, when all these teams play, yeah. are they going to be coming on back-to-backs? Is it going to be similar to the regular season, or are they going to make sure there's some space? I don't know. That's going to be something to watch, too. And then one serious, serious question. So whatever team wins the cup game, are there shirts being made, too, that, like, shirts? 2023? Yes. Oh, wait, yes. would that be, yeah, 2023? NBA Cup, yeah. NBA you, Cup There's going to be merch. There's going to be merch. Ugh, okay, yeah. I'm in. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these veteran teams kind of look at this opportunity. And the teams we'll, that have had health issues yeah. in the beginning of or like what, load management Ooh, or whatever they want to go about. How pissed will the league be if like Golden State goes, yeah, we're actually, uh, Steph's not playing that Tuesday in sack. I mean, but, but that's the thing. Like, look at the schedule ahead yeah. and play those games. Like, sure. be a competitor and play those games. Honestly, looking at the Kings grouping, this matchup with OKC, San Antonio, Minnesota, and Golden State, they got a shot. They got a shot to come out of this group. I think you, okay. you would have said that with, like, almost any group right now. We appreciate you guys so, so, so much. But we gots to go. See ya. Deuce and mo, Deuce and mo. Deuce and Mo, they tell you what they know. Deuce and Mo, Deuce and Mo, Deuce and Mo, the podcast that you know. Deuce and Mo. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.